Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Now listen, before we get into the message today, I just want to, I want us to greet everybody that's joining us online. We love you. You're so special to us. And we're going to clap for you, even though I just said that. And they did. Now they're doing it. It's great. We love you. So happy for you. Then also, we want to welcome our church family over at Jeff Cole Jail. We love you. God has a plan for you. We're for you. Well, guys, this is so great, really, to see you today. I really believe that God wants to speak to us from his word in a way um, that's very challenging this morning. We've started the series called Anchored, and the reason why I called it Anchored is because we are living in very uncertain times. When you're in uncertain times, things begin to the shift and change in, in our lives and our view of our relationship with God and the view of how we walk with God and our view of all these different aspects. And so in, in the midst of storms, and, and I hope you, you understand that we're in the middle of a storm. There are things going on spiritually in our world that have not happened before that I've seen or, or, or experienced. And so God wants to anchor us, though. Because God still has an amazing plan for you. I hope you know that. Do you know that God has a plan for you? Do you know that God has some, uh, some great things for you ahead? And I hope you do. But what happens in seasons of uncertainty, you know what happens? We stop dreaming. We, we, we start asking the situation of the world, hey, can you tell me what my future is? Can you tell me um, what... what you know, is, is God going to do anything? Is what's happening? I mean, the economy and the culture, and you know, oh my gosh, what? And we start we start giving a lot of power to the world instead of looking to God and asking Him, God, what do you have for my life? And so I want us to be anchored in the promises of God during uncertain times because God still has things for you to accomplish. God still has opportunities for you to step into. Like God still has his thumbprint is on your life. He's called you. You have a destiny. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And, and I promise you this. Everything we're going through right now as a nation, everything as a world, it did not surprise God. This is not something that he's like, oh, man, what am I going to, oh, what am I going to do about this? And, oh, what about this person? Oh, I thought they were heading this trajectory and now this stopped and this stopped my will in their life. No, that's not how God works. And so I want us to be anchored to the truth of who God is. And I called this message anchored because the early first century church faced such persecution. After the church exploded in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost, Christians were scattered. They were hunted down. They were persecuted. And the anchor, the symbol, the anchor became the symbol of their faith. Because they would know, regardless of what we faith, face, Regardless of what we go through, regardless of the storms that we're in, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are anchored and we have a hope that is secure for our souls. I want you to know that God wants to anchor you today in a fresh new way. And I want to challenge you today to instead of trying to survive these times, I want to challenge you to lift your eyes from surviving to actually possessing a promise of God that he has for you or promises of God. 
Well, Jason, I, how can you do that? Because everything else is going crazy. Yeah, this is how you can do it. The kingdom of God does not function by the rules of the kingdom of earth. So if you're, if you're connected to the kingdom of God, then you can pursue everything that he's, he's said to you in his word. And so I want to pull some tools, some principles out of an encounter of someone stepping into the promise that God has for them. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 today, and I'm looking at possessing the promises of God for your life. And here's the truth. This whole passage is about the children of Israel stepping into their inheritance, getting after what God had called them to to possess, and God had already given them the promise. Here's the truth about your promises. They're already yours, but what are we going to do about it? My heart, if you could walk away here with two things today, I'd want you first to realize that God has more for you, that there is more for you that God has. And secondly, after you discover that, okay, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to pursue it? And I believe that God wants to give us some tools in the book of Joshua that can help you do that. God has an inheritance. And so the people of Israel were led by Moses up to this point, And they, were, they, they, were, they had been led by him. And now they were at a place where they were going to cross over into the promised land. And this is, before I get into that, here's, I just want to speak specifically to some areas real quick. God has promises for your marriage. I hope you know that. God has promises for, for your relationship between you and your family. God has promises about your future. God has promises about your finances. God has promises that in Scripture are there. And it's like this little, he's like, isn't it awesome? You're like, yeah. And he's like, well, come and get it. Come on, engage with me. And so today, the children of Israel, acknowledging they had a promise, God was saying, it's time to go get it. You have, a, and, and what it means to have a, a promise, or even if you were to say an inheritance, it means you have access to something that you did, you did nothing to deserve it. You have access to God's blessing that you did nothing to deserve, and God invites you to come and get it. And so before I read Joshua chapter 1, I want to give the backstory. They had been delivered from Egypt. They'd come out of um, slavery in Egypt. Moses had led them. Ten plagues finally convinced Pharaoh to let them go. And they began their journey, and they began, which was really a, about an 11-day journey, to the promised land, to the land God said, this belongs to you. Now I'm going to lead you out and you're going to go and step into it and receive it and possess it. They, on this 11-day journey, so 11 days, okay, Egypt, promised land, sounds amazing. Along the way, they got disgruntled. They, they started complaining, murmuring, questioning God. They, they, they had mistrust about their leadership and Moses. They made their own idols and their own gods. And they thought, you know what? How about this? I don't know what's ahead. This is new for us. I'd rather go back to what I know. I'd rather go back to slavery for, because at least I know what's there. And they decided, God, I, we don't know if we want your promise. But they continued to press on. And because of all of these things in their hearts and spirits, it took them 40 years instead of 11 days. So that's where we're picking up today. We're picking up as they come to the Jordan River. And they're going to cross over. And God's words to Joshua about what he wants Joshua to do. 
but there's something to remember again about this promise. Remember this. Everything and every place that God is calling them to be and to go already belongs to them. They just needed to go and get it. You need to realize God has promises for you again that belong to you. And we need to engage our faith today. So the children of Israel, the land was already theirs. When scripture was there was wells they didn't dig, houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant. And they just had, they just had to go occupy it. And so Israel had an inheritance. And listen to me today. So do you. You have a promise in scripture. Israel has, has, has a promise from God. So do you. God has had amazing plans for Israel. God has amazing plans for you. You need to believe it. It was all there waiting for them. But the question is, are we going to engage our faith in what God has for us? And you will never get God's promise until you start moving towards it. Probably the the, the best way to say this is that you will never get what you don't have until you do something that you've never done. Let me say that again. You're never going to get what you don't have until you do something that you have never done before. So this account is not only they're moving from the desert into the promised land after 40 years. They're also shifting from Moses leading to Joshua leading. And God wants to speak to Joshua. So we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to receive some tools here from this passage from the words of God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, speaking to Joshua, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates to the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea and the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law the servant Moses has gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the promise that they had. And this is, this, is, this is the reality, too, that God has promises for you in Scripture. We find them all throughout the Word of God. So I want to share with you four tools from this passage that will help you pursue and possess God's promises for your life. And the first one that we find in this passage of God's instructions is, number one, in order to, to um, possess your promise, you're going to have to leave the past behind. You're going to have to leave the past behind. God told Joshua in verse 2, he said this, listen, son, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise and cross the Jordan. What was God saying to Joshua? He said, listen, Joshua, that that which you're familiar with, you're going to have to move on differently from. I will say this. I, I really believe that 
how we do things in the future as a church, even as a society, all those different things, is not going to look like it ever has before. How you live your life as believers is going to be different and, and must be different if you're going to step into the promises that God has for you. Because that's the world we're in. And so we are going to step into it. But what, what God was saying to Joshua is, Joshua, listen, son, um, the way you used to do things is not the way you're going to do things in the future. In other words, what got you to this place with Moses is not going to get you to where you need to go. And you need to leave the past behind. And I think God was saying to Joshua and saying to us today that he has a lot in front of you. God has things and opportunities and and growth and, and, and blessing, but you're going to have to let go and leave yesterday and leave the past behind. God was, was really telling him, Joshua, listen, what I'm about to do is not what I was. It's not about what was. God didn't want Joshua to be living in the past and thinking he knew what to do because of what was. He didn't want Joshua looking at the future through the filter of what was. He, he, yes, Joshua, you know, thought about, Mo, oh, yeah, you know, Moses did this. I, I, yeah, I saw that, and that's a great principle. And, oh, I'll be careful to speak to the rock, not strike the rock, because that didn't turn out real well for him. And, you know, like, hey, he's, yes, there were those things, but God was saying, listen, I don't want you to be anchored to what was. I want you to be anchored to me so I can lead you into what is. And you need to know something today. In uncertain times, God still has things for you. Don't give up on them. One of the things I've learned in my journey is that God speaks along the way. And so the dangers about always holding on to what was is that it doesn't open our ears to listen to God along the way. I think a lot of people miss God's promises because they move or they begin to pursue something. And then what happens is they stop listening to God. And they stop listening to his daily voice. And, and so the, but the fact is this, God speaks along the way. Or actually, some of, the, some of the reality is some people, God's spoken to them about pursuing something or going after something, and then you're too proud to say, I feel like God's shifting something. And so because we're, we're afraid of people, we, begin to, we just keep doing what we, we told people we were going to do in the first place instead of listening to God daily in our lives. So God is always wanting to give you counsel every single day of your life. So he doesn't want yesterday to be what, what leads you today. He wants yesterday to be yesterday. Today he's speaking to you. He's, he's, he's leading you. He's guiding you. The Bible says this, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. What that, what that tells me, that God is involved in every step. We think it's, well, God said point A to point B. Here's, here's the deal. It doesn't always work that way. That God has things for you today. He wants to speak to you today. I know, I know, son, you thought it was this, but actually it's this. And if we're not listening to him, if we, if we are asking yesterday what we should do today, we're going to miss out on what God, is, what God is speaking to us today about our promises and pursuing them. This is just a reminder that God wants to be involved with you every step of your journey to whatever it is he has for you. Joshua... 
He knew he was going from, from what was and the Jordan River's in front of them to the promised land. And so Joshua said, I, I don't know what's on the other side. I, I don't know how that's, it sounds great. If God promised, that's great. But how am I going to possess it? What am I going to do? And God did not want Joshua possessing what, he had, what God had for them in the manner in which they had come up to the Jordan River because God was doing something new and different. God wanted Joshua to be anchored, and he wants you to be anchored every day of your life to his voice, to his heart, to his counsel, and not focus on what was done before, but to focus on what God is doing today. We serve a God that is active today, speaking today, leading today. And I can't think of any other moment in history that it is more important than to listen to God's voice daily than right now, today, and where we are. And I want to invite you into that, to listen to his voice. Engage your heart with knowing him, with hearing his voice. Stop, stop waiting for, for some, some experience to tell you what you should do today. L listen to God. He's speaking to you. Your past can rob you from your future. And so I just want to give you three areas that we can, past areas to leave behind. Number one, we need to leave behind our successes. I know a lot of people that in their journey with God, and my heart hurts for them, they've never recovered from their successes of the past. They've never recovered from successes of years ago. What I mean by that, they've stopped thinking about what God wants to do today because they're too busy talking about what God did yesterday. They stopped pursuing new promises. They stopped pursuing new methods. They stopped pursuing thinking differently. And they're, and they're just like, boy, isn't it awesome what God did 10 years ago? And God's like, I got something for you today. I got fresh bread for you today. Or they won't reinvent themselves because the new reinvention doesn't feel as prestigious as the old opportunity. So God's wanting to move them to a new season, wanting to do new things in their life, wanting to, to, to birth new things in them. And what they, they, just want to, they just want to stay on the other side of the Jordan with Moses' dead body and talk about how amazing the quail and manna sandwiches were. And God's like, I've got so much for you. The good of yesterday, it's for, it is for us to remember. It's for us to be like, wow, isn't that awesome? God did that. Yes, God did a miracle there, and we're going to believe he's still the God of miracles today. But, but yesterday's miracle does not, does not satisfy the need today and the miracle you need today. So don't make yesterday an idol. Don't, don't make it an idol. Don't, don't miss out on something God's doing today because you're staring at yesterday. Yesterday's not your God. God is your God and he's with you today every step of the way speaking to you. Another thing that we have to leave in the past to possess our promise is our failures. We have to leave our failures behind because fail, failures want to haunt you. They want to tell you what you're not all the time. These are mistakes. These are our sins. 
the failures, the regrets, the, the things we've done, and we're like, man, I wish I had not done that. And they can hinder you from what God has for you. When you look at the people in the Bible, it's really hard to find one of them that, that had not failed along the way. When you look at the, the people in the Bible that God used, it's really hard to find someone that didn't fail. But the good news is when the people of the Bible fell and that God used, they repented. They, they, they submitted themselves back underneath the authority of God. They began to make changes in their life. And, and God took, takes their failures, and you can see it, and he gives them a future that they never, they never could have imagined because of their failure. And God says, listen, listen, I, your failures do not limit your future. They only limit your future if you will allow them to. Your mess up from yesterday does not need to be your messed up today. Peter, listen, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus, knew Jesus, like commune with Jesus. And the night Jesus was, was betrayed and taken into custody, Peter denies him. I, I, to, he was to, like a little girl. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And then earlier we saw, we see in Luke 22 that Jesus, when talking about this, Peter says, listen, Jesus, I, let me tell you something, Jesus. If everybody leaves you, I won't leave you. I won't betray you. And then Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to do it three times. What are you talking about? Talk about a failure. He denied his faith. He denied being a follower of Jesus. And then you see this beautiful encounter of Jesus at the end of the book of John. Peter had kind of gone back to fishing. And you see this beautiful picture of Jesus on the shores of the Galilee, frying a couple of fish. And Peter sees him. He says, it's you, Jesus. He jumps in the water. And ima just imagine the pain. And he, and he climbs up and he takes his wet body up to Jesus around the fire. And then Jesus leans in as he's messing with the, with the fish, the coals. And he looks up and he makes eye contact with him. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, knowing he denied him, says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he did it again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? It says that Peter was cut to the heart because he had failed Jesus. And then Jesus gives him a, a commission. He said, then go feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing? He was restoring the failures of Peter's past. It wasn't coincidence he asked him three times and Peter denied him three times. No, no, no. Allowing your failures to be restored, one, it means you got to come to grips with them. You can't just ignore them and hope they go away. You got to call them out. But God restored him. Don't let your mistakes keep you from moving to your destiny, to your design, to what God has for you. Deal with them, you pent of them, you receive God's cleansing, and move on and be everything that God's called you to be. That's what God has for you. Another thing you gotta, you gotta leave behind is our pain. These are the things that happened to you that were not your fault. 
Maybe you were treated unfairly. You were discriminated against. You were abused as a child. You were you lost your job because of an unfair reason. Your wife cheated on you. Your husband cheated on you. Someone stole from you or falsely accused you or you were hurt by a pastor. You were hurt by a church leader. Whatever situation altered the course of your life and it wasn't your fault, that's the pain you got to leave behind. Here's one of the countless amazing things about your God So not only can he heal your pain, he can can give you beauty for your ashes. He can give you joy for your depression, peace for your anxiety. He can send you a faithful, loving husband or wife on the other side of a deep betrayal. He can heal your wounds from abuse. He can give you immense self-value and courage and lift your head to be who he has made you to be. You are not what someone has told you or who someone told you you are. You're not the sum of the lies that have been spoken of you. You're not the sum of your past mistakes and failures. You are who God has called you to be and what God has called you to be. He is the one that has the final word on your life. And it's time for you to leave the past behind and pursue his promise for you. Second principle in pursuing God's promise is number two. You've got to take steps towards the promise. Another, simply, I've already mentioned this a little bit. You just got to do something about what God has for you. Do something about what God has for you. Engage your faith. God says this to Joshua in verse 3 and 4. He says, I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to Euphrates. So he lays it all out. The Mediterranean Sea to and a west. Now listen, I will give you every place where you what? Set your feet. What is that? Re- what will that require Joshua to do? To walk, to move forward, to lean into. Joshua had to step into what God has for him. And God has, has promises that you just need to move towards. Do something about them. Most of the time in Scripture, actually, most of the time in Scripture when God does something for someone or through someone, it was because they started moving. They started leaning in. They started taking some risk. Like Moses, think about this. Moses is getting ready, leading the the people. We, We know the story. They come out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. And Moses is standing there. Red Sea, this is not good. Egyptian army behind him. And God's like, what are you waiting for? Moses is like, you? Here I am. And God says, "Uh, what what, what, what are you crying out to me for? Then this is what God says. He says this, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? A staff? And God's like, that'll do. Hold it up. So he holds it up. And the Red Sea starts to part. Now, if I was Moses, I would have been like, whoa. And I would take it away. Whoa. Hey, look at this. Look, look, look. Look at this rock. Whoa. Like, that's what I would do. But God's, God's like, listen, what do you have? See, we, we, think, we think this. God, God, 
the promises that God has for us is we're going to have to achieve through something that we don't have. God said, what do you got? I got a rod. That'll work. Use it. But Moses had to do something with it. Joshua, before he crossed the Jordan River, he told the priest, put the Ark of the Covenant on your shoulders and wade into the water. In other words, get your feet wet. And as they got their feet wet, it blocked, it stopped. And the water dried up and they walked across. Sometimes you're going to have to get your feet wet, your body wet, something wet, some skin in the game in order for you to walk across on dry ground and get what God has for you. You're, you're waiting on the promised land to come to you. But I'm telling you, God has promises that are waiting for you to go to it. And we got to lean into it. Breakthrough in your business, in your marriage, with the relationship with your children, with your grandchildren, in your spiritual life. God has more for you in your physical health. God's like, I've, I, I've got great health for you. You're, listen, you're going to have to help me out a little bit here. God wants us to engage with him. Whatever God has for you, I promise you this, it will require faith for you to receive it, achieve it, and possess it. I promise you it will. And so what is God asking you to step forward? Like step towards and forward towards. What is it that God has for you? What's this promise? You're like, man, I really, I think God would, wants me to risk and lean into this. Or I think that God wants to heal my marriage. It's, come on, take a step into it. Begin to do something. And the fact is this, you're, you measure your faith. So many of us are like, God, I don't have the faith to believe for anything. Okay, listen. You measure your faith by, by your movements, not your moods. You measure your faith by, 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 by your steps. By I, I'm scared. I don't know this is going to come. I mean, this conversation could go crazy. But by faith, I'm going to lean into it and have a conversation with my spouse. I'm by faith. I, I'm, I'm, I'm oh man, I don't know how, we can, how I can give to the church and, and buy groceries. And, and listen, all of that, it's going to freak you out. But you do it not by what you feel, but by your movements. And that's called faith. Faith is not the absence of, of fear or even doubt. Faith is like, I, I value God, God's word, and what he's speaking to me over my feelings right now. And then you lean into it. So what is God asking you to lean into? It's time to put some action behind that. And you know what that is today. It could be in your church. It could be your finances. It could be your relationship with God. It could be, well, I, I don't know what that is. But you do. Third principle that will help you possess God's promises. Number three, in order for you to possess God's promises, follow God's voice, not people's opinions. I'll just be real with you for a second. Do you know how many suggestions I get and our leadership team gets about what we should be doing in the church? You know, because some of you are the people that have been telling us so. <laughs> there is a promise that God has for you. There's a promise God has for me personally in my life. I will achieve it by following God's voice, not by people's opinions. We're, we're living in a climate today. Have you noticed the increase of opinions? But what you realize 
They're not opinions. They're supposedly fact. But the problem with the facts is that there are nine other facts that contradict the one fact. And then you say it's opinion. No, it's fact. You're like, I'm so confused. We're living in an age of vast amounts of opinions. Well, what do we do? What do we do? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Hang on. You follow God's voice. That's what you do. Do you huff and puff and buck and jerk and weep and cry and bang, hit yourself on the chest because you don't like someone's opinion? No, no, who cares? Follow God's voice. Don't let someone else's opinion rob you of the joy that God has for you in your life today. Listen, this life is too short for you to spend so much energy worrying about everyone else's opinion. And God's like, I got a great promise for you. You want to follow me? Come on, bring it on. Let's follow me. Come on. That's what you need to know. And this, in the passage that, that we read out of Joshua 1, God goes on to say this to Joshua. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And so it doesn't say no one will stand against you. It says that no one will be able to stand against you. They'll try. They'll try. But they won't be able to. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. There is this call of God to, to possess what God has for you. There's this call of God that says, come on, come on, be strong, be courageous. God was affirming, be strong, go after it, get after it. I know it's going to be tough. I know you're going to face opposition, but I'm telling you, if you'll just lean into it, if you'll just allow my spirit in you to, to rise up and to say, I'm going to, I'm going to possess what you have for me, then you're going to see God meet you in amazing ways. Anytime you start pursuing God's promises, anytime, you're going to have resistance. People won't agree with you. People will resist you. But listen to me. People will not be able to stop your progress as you follow the voice of God. People will not be able to listen. Why? Because people aren't God. Because people never have the final say in your life. Because, listen, you're always going to have critics. Someone's always going to tell you that they don't agree. Someone, it's always going to be there. But critics do not hold my purpose in Christ Jesus. He holds it. Aristotle said this. There's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. People cannot stop you from what God has. Because, you know, people don't know the beginning from the end. God does, though. Culture isn't your master. Jesus is your master. He's the one that will complete the work in you. He, listen, Jesus completes the work. Jesus completes the work. Jesus completes the work. Culture does not complete the work in you. Jesus completes it. And the fourth tool of possessing your promise is you need to anchor your life to the Word of God. You need to anchor your life to the Word of God. Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit this nail a couple times. You need to anchor your life to the Word of God. Listen to what God told Joshua in order for him to pursue his promise. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The way you possess your inheritance and your promises in God is to anchor your life 
to the Word of God. And listen to me, you cannot anchor your life to the Word of God unless you go to it. Unless you read it. Unless you submit to it. And our first question should be this. When you're pursuing God's will in your life, when you're pursuing what God has for you in your life, for your, your promises, God's purpose for you, God, His dreams for your life, your question should always be this first. What does God say about this in His Word? What does God say about this in His Word? God, show me in your Word what you want me to do. God, I have this desire. I have these, these, this dream. God, I want to make a difference with my life. Listen, the question is, what does God say about that in his word? All, listen, you need to know this. You know, Jason, I, you know, the, the scripture is not, it doesn't, it's good, but it doesn't fit, you know, especially our culture now. Actually, scripture clearly says in 2 Timothy, all scripture, everybody say all scripture, is God breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may th be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Listen, if you want to pursue your promise, if you want to pursue God's purpose on your life, if you want your life to make a difference, if you want to push the gates of hell back with your life, if you want to be a light in the midst of darkness, stay anchored to the word of God so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work God has for you. We're living in a time that some Christians are not anchoring their lives to the Word of God. Matter of fact, they're taking the cues about their promises and their purpose, and I want to make a difference from the world about their lives, not the Word of God. And it's important for us to understand this. Listen, I'm a pastor. What I do is I, I teach the Word to equip you for you to be what God's called you to be in, in every good work. That's, that's my desire for you. But people are, are asking the world what they should do with their life instead of asking the word. That's what's happening. When there's social injustices that we're seeing in our land today that are real. They, they are real, absolutely. Christians, though, are not asking God what they should do. They're asking the world, hey, world, tell me what I should do. They're not following Jesus. They're following the world. It's not just this issue. For Christians in, in, our, in our churches and in all of us, we, even in our marriages, Christians are not asking God, God, how should I live out my marriage? How should I serve my wife? Wives, how, wives are not going, God, how do you want me to, to serve and, 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 and be with my husband? And how is, We're not asking the word. We're asking the world. And our sexuality, which is a gift from God, given to us. Christians are not seeking the will of God regarding their actions or their sexual desires in the Bible. They're asking the world, what should I do with my sexuality? And our attitudes towards other people, our spirits, our words... Our consideration of other people in, in, in the world that are hurting and suffering. Many Christians are not seeking God's word for guidance. They're, they're taking their cues from the world. Hey world, where should I be offended? Thank you, I'll go do it. Hey world, how should I be acting? Thank you, I'll go do it. 
my heart is grieved. We have young, young adults who are asking the world, what should I do about the injustices in the world? Okay, okay you tell me. That organization, you tell me, your organization is anti-God, but I'll do whatever you say. They're not going to the Word. What does God want me to do? Follow the Word. I don't know some of y'all, Jason, you got to be careful. Listen, I don't have to be careful. I just have to be biblical. That's all I have to do. That's all I have to do. When it comes to sharing Jesus with a lost and dying world whose only hope is Jesus. Christians don't know their call. We're not seeking the word of God on God, how do you want me to be a witness? We're asking the world, how can I be good? God, what is your heart? for the lost world that you sent your son to die and suffer on a cross. We're unaware of what the word of God says about the lost because we're not anchored to the word. All of us as Christians, all of us have this deep burning fire in our bellies to make a difference with who we are. But the moment that you try to make a difference by partnering with the world is the moment that you lose out on being what God's called you to be. God, what about the loss? What about the hurting in the world? We're not asking the question. We don't know that the word says out of Romans 10. This is written to a church. This is written to Christians. It's not written to some group somewhere else. It's written to the body of Christ. How can they, the lost, call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they, the lost, the dying, believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? There's an old, old saying from, I think, Francis Assisi that I think has, has robbed the guts and the passion out of the gospel. And he says, preach the gospel constantly and if necessary, use words. That sounds very politically correct, but that is not what the Bible says about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's like saying, go and feed the hungry children without using food. The gospel is to be told. It's to be communicated. It's to be shared. It's to be saying, listen, Jesus loves you. I know you're hurting. Can I pray for you? Hey, listen, I, I know you're in a very desperate situation. I'm a believer. Jesus changed my life. Would you like to know him? And I, I'm going to make this statement. I don't mean it to be condemning. I, I just really feel like God wants to address this in our lives. The truth is many Christians have shared Christ with as many people as an atheist has. Why? Well, why is that, Jason? Because they're not anchored to the word, they're anchored to, to ideas, they're anchored to philosophies, they're anchored to, to, to the world. Why has Christianity, and I've seen it, seemingly been reduced to, to trying to be a slightly better version of the world. 
Why? Because we become unanchored from the word. But when you are anchored to the word, when you when you are drawing near to Jesus Christ, when you're not asking the world what you should do with the calls burning in your belly, you're asking God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? When you do that, Ephesians 4 manifests in our lives, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us. Now listen, with lies that cleverly sound like the truth. God has a promise for your life. He has a purpose for you. He, he sent his son to die so that you could be a part of his kingdom. Workmen with God, laboring with him, his ambassadors on the earth. He has an abundant life for you. He has things for you to do. Is this going to be easy in the seasons that's ahead? Absolutely not. But is, call, is God calling a church to rise up and be a light that shines in the midst of darkness? Yes, he is. He has things for you to do right where you are. God placed you in the place you work. God placed you in the neighborhood you are. God placed you with the acquaintances around your life. Because you are the only voice of the gospel that could ever reach them. Where you work, where you live, the grocery store. They're a hurting, dying, lost world that needs you to make a difference with your life. And you will never make a difference in the world unless you are different than the world. And you won't be different than the world unless you are anchored to his word. The word of God, it's, it's your it's your, it's your compass. It's your true north. It's what leads you. It's what guides you. We are to be the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're not to be shaded by compromise in our lives or shaded by, by, by rhetoric and shaded by, by partnering with the world. It'll never work. It feels good because you don't face opposition. It feels good because you don't get criticism when you do that. But Jesus said this, it's okay. The world will hate you because it hates me. But keep doing it. Jesus is our anchor. Be the light that God's called you to be. Pursue the promise that God has for you. And let's be the church God's called us to be. Let's be people who declare actually who Jesus is. Who aren't ashamed to mention Jesus because of who somebody is or who, who they're a part of or they're, they're, they're a pagan or they're Satanist or they're Jewish. or they're, I'm a, I can't say Jesus. No, what are you talking about? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power for our salvation. You need to know this. We're, we're, listen, God didn't bring us this far to lay up, to just play small. God didn't bring us this far to lay it up and say, eh, it's okay. Listen, you have a job to do, and that's to be a light for Jesus Christ in a dark, dying, lost world. And my prayer is this, there would not be one person in hell that was in my life that I was like, I don't know if I want to share Jesus with them, and then they'd go to hell forever. I'm responsible for that. And I want to say, so are you. 
I want us to be what God's called us. I want to be who God's called me to be. I got one life to live, man. One life. One life. God knit me together. He called me. He said, son, I'm yours. He died on the cross for me. He put his fire in my belly, put a spirit in my heart. I, listen, I got one life. And I'm going to wring it out for the cause of Jesus Christ, regardless if anybody else wants to do it. I'm going to wring my life out for him. My final drop, I want my life to make a difference. You're like, wow, Jason, you're a little crazy this morning. No, I feel the presence of God on my life in a way I never have. And I, I, I feel, I feel like God has asked me today to put a challenge before you that you would rise up and be the church that he's called you to be. Not to be congregants, not to be attendees, but to be the church that carries Jesus across the world in our community, in our city. That's what I feel like I'm supposed to ask you to do. And that's okay. You're like, no, that's not me. Then that's okay. You'll just be uncomfortable here. One life. You have one life. You have one life. What are you going to do with it? God has promises for you. He wants for you personally, and he has for people around you. You got to leave the past behind. You got to let go of the successes and the failures and the pain. You got to take step towards what God has for you. Do something about that in your life. Once you hear his voice, you're going to have to Pursue him, follow him. And my friends, we'll never achieve any of those unless we anchor our lives to the word of God. It's time that we become a church that's sold out, hunkered down, on fire, no longer compromising. It's time. Because on the other side of that obedience is the joy and the purpose and the life that God has for you. It's for you. There's a Jordan in front of you. There's a promised land on the other side. Go and get it in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your spirit. I want to thank you for the voice of the Father that is resonating deeply in us. That's a voice that you're simply saying, come up here. Come up to a new place. Come up to a place that you have purpose in life. Come up to a place that the Word of God is the center of your life. Come up to a place where you receive my healing and move to my future for you. Come up to a place that you're in intimate relationship with me. Come up to a place that you're no longer ashamed of my name. Come up to my place, to this place where I will set you on a hill and let you shine for the lost and dying around. Lord, we want to be that church. God, I want to be that person. And Lord, I know there are people in this room that want to be that individual for you. They want to be the son. They want to be the daughter that you've called us to be. So Lord, today I say yes to you. 
Just right where you are, can you just say yes to the Lord? If that's your heart, just say yes to the Lord. Lord, condition our hearts that we will be people of the light. We'll be people of the truth. We'll be people that pursue your presence and love you. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today, you're joining us online, and you would say, Jason, I don't know Jesus Christ. And I know today if I was to die, I don't know if I would be with God. And I want to ask him to come into my life, transform me, and change me. If that's you today, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, nobody's looking around. I just want you to raise your hand right here in this room. Raise it up. Wave it at me so I could see you. Anyone want to give your life? Amen. Thank you. Anyone else want to give your life to the Lord? Thank you. God bless you. If you're joining us online, let me just encourage you, just just as a step of faith, just raise your hand right now. This is your moment. And we're going to pray a prayer with you. And I'm I'm going to lead you through a prayer, but we're going to pray with you. And if you, the Bible says, if you pray it, believe it, you will be saved. So let's pray together, church. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Transform me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I give you my life. Forgive my past and give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? If you gave your life to Jesus today online or here, I just want to ask you to text the number on the screen and just text SAVED to that number. And we're going to help you on a journey of becoming everything that God has for you. So let's all stand to our feet. Listen, church, I love you. I care for you. It's an honor for me to pastor and to teach God's word to you. But I do want to bless you today. So if you just lift your hands and receive the blessing of God, Lord, I pray for our families. I pray for their lives. I pray for their spirits today. Lord, I ask you that you would place in them a boldness of the Holy Spirit. As the words that, God, you spoke to Joshua, I speak them over the congregation. In the name of Jesus, be bold and be courageous. Follow the voice of God. Pursue the promises that God has for you. Be the light in a dark world and live the life God has called you to live. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day.